we're looking at an answer to a question, why give? So that kind of necessitates that I'm going to talk about your money. Some of you have left your money in the fish pond, and I would like to suggest a better alternative. As you can see, the fish pond is rather corrosive to coins. Um, they, they don't stay usable. Uh, a, a much better alternative is this beautiful blue coin funnel. You can drop your coins in here and just watch them spin. Of course, you can't watch them spin, but I get to. Um, so it's, if you haven't used the coin funnel, next week look for the coin funnel near the pond uh, so you can have a positive choice. And so if there's pictures of pennies here, but if you'd like to use quarters, half dollars, silver dollars, they work just fine in the funnel. So, Because we're talking about giving, we're also talking about God's goodness and God's abundance. And most of you look forward to me bringing something from my garden. So I brought a sunflower. Um, this is the great-grandchild of a sunflower Kelly planted in our yard three years ago. So that sunflower came up. It was about this big around and 10 feet tall. It was the biggest one I think I've ever seen. But it dropped seeds, and they sprouted the next year, and that sunflower dropped seeds, and it sprouted this year. And I took all the seeds from the sunflower, this is empty, <laughs> and I picked them and put them here in, in this jar. So all of these came from just the one seed that grew the sunflower, and how many do you think are here? Hmm? 3,500? You can go a little slower than that. Yes. 100, you can go higher than that. 500, even higher than that. 1,000, you can go higher than that. A little less than 2,055. <clears throat> I, was really, I was really surprised. I hadn't researched how many, but I was counting these because I pulled all the seeds from this sunflower. And they grow biggest from the outside first, and they, they're more immature here in the middle. So there were about 100 seeds that aren't viable at all because they were tiny, tiny. But I still counted them. So there, there were about 100 there. And there were 31 seeds because I counted the empty spaces that were missing because a bird got to the sunflower before I did. Um, so if we take away the bird and we take away those hundred that aren't viable, there was 1,401 in here. So 1,592 total, if everything would develop and everything, all from one seed. And I look through nature, and nature is consistently demonstrating how God loves to multiply 
blessings in our lives. When I give, I'm participating in God's character, that multiplication, that generosity that is his. You know, there is a counterfeiter to what God does. And the devil loves to multiply also, but he multiplies trouble. So my giving is a testament against what the devil would like us to believe about who God is. There's a great story in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, chapters 35 and 36, that is a story of generosity. It's a story of God's plan for Israel's life and by extension his plan into our life as well. And from this story, we're going to glean some principles, the first of which is we give, the why number one, is we give when God provides an opportunity for us. And in this story, God is providing an opportunity because we read beginning in verse four that Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what Yahweh has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for Yahweh. So the context of this command is the building of a tabernacle. God had said back in chapter 25 of Exodus, let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God's desire to be with people, to be in community, led to the instructions that he gave Moses for a sanctuary or a tabernacle. These instructions came in great detail and it was a project bigger than Moses could accomplish himself. And so he comes to the community and lays out the plan that God has with the instructions for them to bring offerings to support this building. So there's a list that Moses gives and it's a detailed list. And I'm tempted to just skip the list because I want to get back to the story. It's a detailed list. Let me share with you what Moses shared. There's a list of things for people to bring and a list of things that people can build, all for the sanctuary. So you can bring gold, silver, bronze, blue yarn, purple yarn, scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram skin dyed red, durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil, spices, onyx stones, and other gems. If you didn't have one item, you're most likely to have one of the others at home that you could bring. And then he goes on and lists the activities that you can do. And all these are things that are going to be part. And notice how comprehensive this list is. God is not just thoughtless about what is happening. But this is well thought out. For building the tabernacle, 
you will need its tent, its covering, its clasps, its frames, its crossbars, the posts, the bases. And then there's the ark with its poles, the atonement cover, the curtains that shield it. There's the table with its poles and its articles, the bread of presence, the lampstand and its accessories and lamps, the oil for the light. There's the altar of incense with the poles and the anointing oil, the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway at the entrance, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating and its poles, its utensils, the bronze basin with its stand, the curtains for the courtyard, its posts and its bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard and their ropes and the woven garments for Aaron, his sons and the priests. What a great opportunity is being laid out for the people of Israel. There was something that everyone could have a connection with. We're still making great opportunities. You may have heard of Vacation Bible School. <laughs> there is a comprehensive list of ways to be involved. Pastor Linda has been so diligent in helping to get things going, and she's dependent on us to come together and make this a success for our community. So I hope that you do take advantage if you already haven't for either signing up a young person to attend or if you're an adult especially, we're still looking for volunteers for that. But these are projects that are bigger than any one of us. And so Moses leaves these instructions as opportunities for us. At Azure Hills, the support that we give our church kind of follows two primary pathways. Arthur Blincy, a few minutes ago, talked to us about our Vision Capital Fund, which works for the major improvements and maintenance projects of our church. We also have our Vision in Action which supports the ongoing life of our church. The ongoing life of our church can be divided into three general categories. Education, we are a family-oriented church here, so supporting Christian education has been a historic high priority for our congregation and continues to be so. The ministries, all of the different areas in which we serve and build up each other, as well as serve our community, as well as the administration and the life of this campus. And that was the area that as administrative pastor, I was primarily responsible for. And I had the opportunity to work with an amazing group of skilled and experienced uh, church members in looking at how we prioritize and make best use of the resources that have been entrusted to us. Some of you in your wild imaginations might picture our church treasurer standing over a cauldron as she stirs up the numbers for the new church budget. 
That, of course, is not how things happened. Janet is extremely, Janet Botroff, our treasurer, um, is one of the biggest assets we have here within our church family when it comes to the, the management of our church. But she works with a finance advisory team, which is chosen by you, the church family. We do this every two years. And this group gets together on a monthly basis and reviews the finances and the projects that are coming down the pipeline for our church. They make recommendations to our church board. Um, so I am grateful that within this church, we take the aspect of stewardship and the stewardship that you have entrusted as you give your tithes and offerings to be used here uh, within our local church and those uh, ties that we pass on to the, the church at large. We have a spending plan of a little over $1.2 million. I'm grateful that that was not my personal responsibility to fund. Uh, that is beyond my capacity. But together, when we put something here, if I am giving that offering, that one coin is joining all the others that are contributing. If you utilize an offering envelope, an offering envelope goes in to the offering along with all of the others. That is us together that is able to support, not us as individuals. Now my act of giving is a very personal act. But as soon as I give, it becomes a communal, a communal act that we are doing together. And to me that is one of the great joys of participating in an offering is that it's something that I'm able to do together. My wife and I personally use Adventist Giving, which is an online giving resource. Uh, you can go through your computer or there's an app for your phone. Many of you are, are utilizing that. It just simplifies giving for Kelly and I. We can set up recurring payments the one thing I miss about a recurring payment is there's something happens when I'm physically giving something that I miss out on when the offering plate is passed because um, it's something that I've given before. So I, so I have had to find ways in which that giving stays intentional and isn't just something that I set up once and then forget about it. Because it seems like God wants engagement. This this long list here is a list that engages us, that, it, that is asking for a response, that's asking for, for you to be able to customize what is happening so that it isn't just a cookie-cutter re response, but it's something that, that we have thought about and prayed about and something that God is working with us on When 
we give, we want you to be informed about why your money is useful and where that money is going to happen. When you're volunteering, we want you to be informed about the impact of the particular ministry that you're working with. We want to be responsive to needs that you see, to directions that God is working in your life uh, to be able to do. We'd like to be able to facilitate the calling that God has in your life. Again, because we're not alone in this. But the why number two that I find from our story in Exodus is that we give when we've been made willing, when something happens inside of us. In Exodus chapter 35, verse 21, and I notice that there's a typo in the slide that you have on the screen. It's chapter 35, though, not chapter 25. It says, everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to Yahweh. It's not solely being obedient to a command where God says, give, and everyone faithfully did it. But here in this story, those that gave, yes, heard the command, but then God did something inside of them. They were moved to give. I'm so grateful that this is part of the story. In some versions that I was reading, it said that their hearts were stirred. So I love being in the kitchen, so that was a, an analogy that, that, that I could picture. Um, sometimes stirring things up of, has a negative connotation, but when God is stirring things up, there, there are positive results that we're looking at. So if you see me walking around with a spoon here over, over the summer, it's because I'm praying for you to be stirred uh, and that God's going to be doing it. It's, it's not me. But I recognize every time I work with Janet and we're looking at the generosity of this church, I, I recognize that what we are looking at in the finances of this church represent God's moving in your life. It's not the outstanding offering calls that are given, although I'm grateful to our elders and the thoughtful presentations that they prepare, but it's because God is doing something. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9 that God loves a cheerful giver. And I want to be able to cultivate that attitude. And I think the cheerfulness comes from remembering what God has been doing before I ever show up with my offering. When God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, he had already finished it for them. I mean, it, it was ready for them to be their home. And I, that's just the way God is in our life, isn't it? 
The third why we give is one that I've already touched on because it's hard to talk about these other aspects without talking about community. We give because we are community, because what we're doing is more than me. One of, well, let's look at the scripture story. Coming back to Exodus, after God has given this long list of ways in which people can be involved, we read in verse 34 that Yahweh had given him, who is Bezalel, who is one of the chief craftspersons, and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamech, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. So now God is still going to be multiplying. Um, but we have instruction that is taking place, and he has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers, and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. And these individuals now were mentoring. They were taking on other individuals to come alongside of them and learn their skills so that the gifts that were being given could be well utilized for what was happening. It didn't all fall on one individual to get all this work done, but as they came together as community, here was someone who had gifts in working with, with metals, and here was somebody else who, who could work with fabrics, and everyone was producing now a building that was going to be beautiful and well-utilized because they were community. There are some pretty phenomenal examples of community coming together uh, in contemporary life. GoFundMe has been quite an amazing business facilitator that has started. Most successful project on GoFundMe is the George Floyd Memorial. Over half a million people coming together to donate over $14 million for that particular project. Pretty phenomenal. Another story that I found recently, it kind of jumped out at me as I was reading it. Um, in collegiate sports, women's rowing, I was reading the headlines and I noticed that the championships races were being held in Dexter, Oregon, which was just up the road from where I grew up. So when I saw Dexter, I was thinking, what was happening in Dexter? Uh, one thing I remember about it, it, my family tried to go water skiing there one time, and it was so cold, we chose another reservoir. But um, So I was looking and looking at the varsity women's eight regatta, and Stanford happened to come out on top of this race. But rowing, when we lived in Sacramento, we lived near the American River, and I really enjoyed going down and, and washing, watching the teams practice 
Uh, they're on the American River and just always appreciated the way in which those rowers could synchronize together and those narrow long boats would just uh, shoot across the water. It's, it's really a, a beautiful sport to watch. Um, but something that happens because we're not alone. If you walk by the coin funnel in the coming weeks, you can remember that we're not alone, that we're doing this together. We're going to finish where we began. The scripture reading that was shared that Laya just read for us. In verse 3, right before the scripture she read, it says that the workers received from Moses all the offerings the Israelite had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring offerings morning after morning. Just love this picture. <laughs> it's not that they were thinking, well, let's give this and then we can get on to regular life. But giving was their regular life because something had moved them to participate. And then we come to this, one of the most successful fundraising stories that you can come across. The workers then said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work Yahweh commanded to be done. So Moses gave an order and they sent this throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained. This is so opposite from what we think about human nature. We usually think about trying to whip people up to be able to do something. And here, they're, it's like, no, you've got to slow down. They were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do the work. I did speak with Janet, our treasurer, earlier this week, and she assured me that if we ever get to the point where we have more than enough, she will get the word out to me and I will pass it on to you that you can quit giving. But until then, we appreciate the fact that you will be faithful in your giving. But you see, we give because we have a creator and a savior who saw our need and took the initiative. His heart was moved by our infirmities. infirmities. He was moved with love for us. He gave everything that was needed for our salvation. While we wait for him to come again, we can continue to look and expect opportunity. We can pray to be moved. We can remember that we're doing this together. And we can give until we're told to stop.